I've been on this kick lately about the parables of Jesus. It is that very often we treat these short stories of Jesus as if they were standalone stories and thereby ignoring that the stories have a context. And part of that context is the gospel writer's intent to illustrate what he or she is attempting to convey as a whole. The parable we heard this morning, the parable of Lazarus and the rich man, is a prime example. As it illustrates what the author has been attempting to get across to those for whom the gospel was written, namely those folks who had been attracted to Judaism called God-fearers, then straight, no-holes-barred pagans, and finally for those who had already accepted Christ and the good news. Now, let's get this out of the way immediately. This story has nothing to do with the afterlife. In fact, most of the Bible is silent about the afterlife because no one knows, no one knows a thing about the afterlife. There are some pious guesses, among other things, like pearly gates, but maybe just maybe it's a, rust, a wrought iron rusty gate that squeaks when it moves. But this story and the rest of the Bible make some powerful statements about the requirements of God, the requirements that God places on one's present life in the here and now. Major concern of the third gospel, according to Luke, is the proper use of wealth and the consequences of not using it properly. We heard it last week in the parable of the dishonest manager. But actually, we've been hearing it off and on since the beginning of the year. The parable is an indictment and a contradiction of prosperity teaching in the first century and by implication, an indictment of that teaching and philosophy in our own day. To be rich is not a sign of God's blessing. Come on now. The leaders of the drug cartels are rich. And no one is crass enough to proclaim that their wealth is God's blessing upon their endeavors. In Luke's gospel... The radical demands of the gospel require that wealth is to be used in the present life to alleviate the suffering of those in need. The parable does not condemn wealth, but it graphically depicts the dark side of wealth. For in part, the basis of entering the kingdom is about an attitude, an attitude towards wealth an attitude that reflects one's commitment to Jesus and the kingdom. Connected with the indictment of the teaching and the philosophy of the gospel of prosperity is Luke's concern for the poor, the marginalized, the dregs of society. He pictures Jesus as standing in the great tradition of Moses and the prophets. 
It's obvious that Luke is writing to encourage the poor among his readers, but he's also writing to instill in the wealthy a concern for the poor. An indictment of the prosperity teaching and a concern for the poor is projected against the background of Luke's great theme. It is the theme of reversal. It is a theme that is introduced in the opening chapter of the gospel in the Song of Mary. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones, lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich sent empty away. And that theme is articulated again and again. It's found in Luke's Sermon on the Plain. Woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. The reversal of the rich man fits in with this overall theme of the gospel. <clears throat> his reversal is based on his failure to use his wealth in loving his neighbor. In the words of the confession, he has left undone those things which he ought to have done. Now there's no escaping it. Poverty and affluence are intertwined in our culture. It is also true that if we took all the money designated for social programs, it would be nothing but the crumbs that fall from the tables of those who have gotten rich through the military-industrial complex that dominates our society. I also suspect that there is a Lazarus Anadives, the traditional name given to the rich man within all of us. The Dives part of us seldom if ever recognizes and acknowledges the Lazarus that is within us, as we do not recognize the Lazarus who is at our gate. There's a great separation, says Abraham. It is a terrible statement. Might it be saying that there comes a point when it is too late to be healed, too late to have ourselves integrated? Certainly from the human side of things, it can be too late. For God, however, it may never be too late. So my friends, pay attention to the things you have left undone. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.